welcome. Welcome, 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 everybody. Hello, hello. This is Drinking in Community. I'm joined tonight by my beautiful brewmastering wife, Ashley Kennard Short. I'm joined by my wonderful husband, Jared Short. And this is Drinking Community, where you go episode by episode through the TV show Community, drinking a few adult beverages along the way. Yep. Tonight we are talking about Season 2, Episode 14, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Woohoo! We wanted to start off by uh, just acknowledging the fact that this episode was actually taken off from Netflix's... Netflix's? Netflix's. Netflix's uh, Q, they no longer are playing it. I think it originally started in Australia and then Canada, and now I think worldwide they don't have this episode on Netflix. And it was because there is... uh, I don't know if Netflix has actually even released uh, why they removed it, but everybody assumes it's because there is a portrayal of blackface. And there's actually a joke made about it pretty early by Yvette Nicole Brown, where she talks about this being uh, very insensitive. And then Chang points out, the character Chang points out that he's not actually in blackface. In, in blackface, is never said. So he, but he talks about that he's uh, portraying a drow, which is a dark elf. Uh, and you can tell because he's he's completely covered in black paint and he's got silver hair and pointy ears so i guess the you have to ask a couple questions about why it was removed is this racist i think the joke made about it is that question is it racist and i don't know my opinion and because we're doing this podcast about the TV show that we love, you're going to get a lot of our opinions. But my opinion is that it's probably not racist. It was just a joke, and it's fun to see characters in crazy makeup. And so then, if it's not racist, was this an overreaction by Netflix? And maybe. that That's the best thing I can come up with, is maybe. But it's hard to see past... You know, my own privilege, so I don't know. As I've gotten older, I've tried to adopt the mentality that if you do something that's offensive to a group of people or one person, just don't do that thing. It's really easy to not do that thing. So in that way, if there were people offended by this and offended by this joke and offended by the portrayal of blackface, which is pretty egregious and has been all over Hollywood for many, many, many years then yes, it should be removed. I think uh, we've been seeing a lot of social change and a move towards social equality and getting away from injustice. So a lot of times, maybe we take two steps forward and one step back. I don't think this was a step back. And even in that saying, two steps forward and one step back is one step forward. So I guess the thing that you have to look at is if we did take a small mini step backwards and we lost an episode of community, but we're gaining more social equality. I don't think that's a hard price for anybody to pay. If you didn't get to see this episode because you rely on Netflix, that stinks. There are other ways to go see it. I would go check it out or 
don't and skip this one do whatever's comfortable to you nothing that you feel or a way that you react is wrong as long as it's how you feel and you know it aligns with your beliefs so we're going to talk about it we're not going to delve into maybe the term blackface or what it portrays in the bigger picture of our nation and the, the world and the equality that we're striving for. So I think I think overall it's a good trade-off and if we have to deal with missing an episode, we have to deal with missing an episode. Disclaimer done and let's get to uh, our podcast. Very well said, dude. This episode originally aired on February 3rd, 2011, Season 2, Episode 14. It is titled Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and Dan even pointed out in the commentary that a lot of the stuff that we see, the character sheets, the books, are his original things. I believe first edition Dungeons and Dragons from the 80s and early 90s, probably. Yeah, it's a, a super cool stack of... Yeah, they looked really good, so I was wondering, so I'm glad he mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's his actual stuff. Uh, this was directed by Joe Russo, who we love. The writers are Andrew Guest, who's written on a bunch of other shows, and he's been a producer on a bunch of our favorite shows. And then, of course, Dan and Dino Samatopoulos also get writer credits for this episode. The plot summary is real quick and to the point. Because this is a Borderline Bottle episode, we don't get a ton of scene changes. Uh, by JGP3553 at yahoo.com. The study group plays Dungeons and Dragons with another classmate to improve his spirits, but Pierce's jealousness causes their good intentions to backfire. But ultimately, it doesn't backfire, so... Yeah, life finds a way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that works here. <laughs> um, good will prevail over evil. Yes. That's kind of the point of the episode. Yeah. So the the campaign that the group plays in this is called Caverns of Draconis, which isn't a real campaign except the cool Reddit community went through and made a ca- this a playable campaign. So Fine. if you are a Dungeon and Dragon player, cool. go check that out, and you can actually play this campaign. Uh, another fun thing that I wanted to point out: the trivia is. Abed created characters kind of at random, but he did make one that he specifically wanted for Troy. It was called Hector the Well-Endowed. And the funny part of that is Hector was the greatest hero of the fabled city of Troy. Oh. So there was some thought behind that wow. in, in the story, so I thought that was pretty funny. It's a nice little, little deep one. Yeah. So, I, I, and there's a couple other fun things I'll point to throughout the episode, but... This is this is for sure one of my favorite episodes. It's fantastic. And I don't know if we've mentioned before, but we we have played D and D. We aren't actively in a group right now, but like we we do that. It's awesome and fun. And actually yep. I the first time I saw this I had not played yet and this is just in the last couple of years I've I have played, but um, now that I have played I get it a little more and the episode was that much more enjoyable. Absolutely. 
So, Ashley, what are we drinking tonight? So we're drinking, drinking, drinking Ashley's Ashley's Drink Corner And I can feel it rolling right on down or right on down my throat and then Tonight we are drinking mead because we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Why wouldn't we drink mead? Here in Madison, actually a, a I would like to say a good friend of mine that I've kind of known through the industry and um, I've known her since before opening this meadery. It is called Boss Meadery. It's amazing stuff. Um, I've been kind of looking forward to promoting them in some way, shape, or form. Last week we had a we an opportunity to week, yeah. maybe could have done mead, but I'm glad we didn't and uh, saved it for this week. So that worked out really perfectly. Could, um, could you just give a quick breakdown on what mead is? Absolutely. So mead is fermented honey. It's usually diluted a little bit by water just because it's a huge mess if you try to throw a big bunch of sticky mead into a um, fermentation vessel of any sorts. Um, so it's basically honey wine. So any alcohol, you need to start with a sugar source. And like with beer, you get your sugar from malted barley. Wine, you get your sugar from grape juice. So um, for mead, which is again, honey wine, your sugar source is just the honey itself. So it's got a very unique flavor. It's not quite like uh, like wine. Um, it's They're usually lighter in color. You, there's also a lot of herbs and spices. Sometimes hops are actually used in them as well. Um, but it's also a, it's an extremely old and um, very very long time. Like it's it's in mythology. It's as long as people have been, you know, knew you could get honey from bees, and then also that sugar made alcohol. So um, mead is kind of cool. It's I think why it is a a thing for D and D is that it's it's got a pretty big presence in a lot of mythology. So North Norse mythology and as well as a lot of Germanic myths have a lot of speak of mead and stuff like that. There's a lot of fantasy writers who use mead as kind of the beverage of choice in their in their kind of writings. Um, so just the top three listed on on the the Wikipedia page was J.K. Rowling, George R.R. Martin and J.R. Tolkien, and so just for a couple, a couple heavy hitter on the fantasy side. Um, so yeah, so it's it kind of is somehow intertwined with fantasy that mead is sort of the drink of preference. Um, the cool thing about mead is so as it's normally like wine, um, there is still mead, so not not carbonated or sparkling, um, so that's it's both bubbly or not. Um, Boss Meadery, they do some session mead. So normally I have seen a lot of it in the like more wine strength, the 11 to 14-ish percent ABV, which is kind of tough to drink a lot of. But Boss Meadery makes a couple of session meads that are in the 6.5% range, which are really, really delicious. And again, you can drink a little more of. Um, a couple of my, our favorites, I think I can mention a couple. So Ace of Cascades is their session mead that is actually um, hopped with Cascade hops. Um, they do Magic Carpet Drive, which is a another session one, which is also with cardamom, saffron, vanilla, star anise, and, and whatnot. That one's really, really good. And then a couple of their full-strength ones. Um, my favorite is the buckwheat, which um, Colleen actually said that all of her beer-drinking friends, for some reason, prefer the buckwheat honey mead. So they basically, there's honey taken from beehives near buckwheat fields. That's how they know they're getting buckwheat honey. Um, and it just has a little bit of a different flavor. So that's the other thing with mead too, depending on where your honey's coming from, what, what 
the bees are feeding on, it does have a really, uh, really different flavor. There's a lot of good ones out there here in the Wisconsin, specifically Madison area, and I think you'd actually order it online. Um, they are, their website is bossmeadery.com. Um, it looks like with a lot of wine shipping, there you can order it to a lot of other states as well. Can you spell it? B-O-S-M-E-A-D-E-R-Y.com. Boss Meadery. Thank you. That's a, yeah, that's not a intuitive word to spell. Boss or Meadery. I think it's great. I had very little exposure to mead until I moved here. I think anybody who hasn't, anybody who likes alcohol in general, if you're a beer drinker, if you're a wine drinker, check out mead. Just try it. Grab a bottle sometime. Not, I think we're a little bit babied in that we know some people who own a meadery. Yeah. So not everybody has that kind of uh, contact with it, but it should be relatively easy to find if you go to a grocery store or a big liquor store mead should be there check near like the cider section it's yep. not always really easy to find it's not necessarily in wine um but it it can be in sometimes they so meads can have apple juice or pears or grapes or other things in them and they call it a few different names there so there's a few crossovers with the with the cider section so but yep yeah, just Check it out if you have uh, any way to get it. And I, I, I've yet, I think it really does bring, because we have a lot of friends who are like, well, I'm not a big beer drinker. Or, you know, wine is too dry or too sweet. I think meat is kind of a please all one. The, the people that we've brought to the meadery, they, they can always find something that they really enjoy. Yeah. And it's interesting that it is such an old and like, Again, mythological in those beverages. Yeah. It is somehow not caught on in the yeah, pop culture. It is funny drinking world, and it's so cool. Like clover honey versus barley honey versus our wheat buckwheat buckwheat honey. Yeah, it's really fun. It's not all meat is fantastic. I've had a couple that aren't that good. Sure. Um, and they cause they use a fermentation process that that makes it extra good, and I think they. I don't know if they literally traveled around the world, but they reached out to as many mead makers as they could around the globe before opening their place, just to, to learn more about the commercial process of it. And they found the best ways to do it, and they're killing it. It's delicious. They've got a really cool little tap room a few blocks from the Capitol Square, and check it out. Boss Meadery. All right, should we get on into the episode? Let's do it. So... This is maybe my favorite opening of any community episode. At least one of my favorites. It's clearly a parody of Lord of the Rings, the opening of Lord of the Rings. Where in the Lord of the Rings story, you need some background to really understand the, um, the stakes of what's happening. And Dan actually talked about in the commentary that... This is kind of the same thing. They needed somebody to k- explain to you what the setup and then just have the rest of the episode be them playing Dungeons and Dragons. And without this nice setup, uh, you didn't really understand why it was important that they play Dungeons and Dragons. And so when they were breaking the episode, they came up with this idea and it worked really well. And it's also a really fun parody. It does sound like Kate Blanchett, who is <laughs> does the opening to Lord of the Rings. Oh, did she? Really? Yeah. I thought they were just 
coming up with a good no her her character Gladriel is telling the story Uh, of Lord of the Rings and the history of the ring so here they're telling the history of Fat Neil and how and I'm I'm using that in quotes because Neil moved to this community college and he was trying to get away from the fact that he was called Fat Neil and it came back to him at some point and Jeff realized that he was actually pretty depressed and so he Jeff was kind of feigning an interest in Dungeons and Dragons but then Neil gave him his Dungeons and Dragons materials and his books and Jeff realized that he was kind of in crisis so it's actually pretty heavy like it's a pretty heavy yeah. episode from that it's standpoint like like Neil is clearly going through some stuff and they're they're very worried he's going to like self harm at this point yeah, and I think we all, we just needed something that what, when and how, I mean, outside of Jeff talking everybody into something, how do we get the whole studied group to buy into this without questioning and to just wholeheartedly jump on in? And so that was, yeah, it was a perfect setup, and also we all understand why. Absolutely. So it sets up the whole game, and then we get the new open that was specifically made for Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> episode. It's, it's really so great. great. Everybody, <laughs> there's a breakdown of the open if you want to go read that or just watch the open and notice how everybody is Dungeon and Dragons themed. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, we should also talk about, so one fun thing that Dan talked about is that, so currently, um, I didn't look it up. At the time that this was filmed, Wizards of the Coast owned the rights to Dungeons and Dragons and other TV episodes could not use the name Dungeons and Dragons because it's very trademarked and it's yeah. It, and with role playing games, it's very important that you have the right materials, so they do these crazy trademarks on it. And apparently, there was like twenty lawyers, ten from each side, approximately, on this phone call. And then was it Russo who started like nerding out with another guy that he knows? These lawyers had to listen to two guys just basically nerd out about Dungeons and Dragons. And community. And community. The guy was a giant community fan yep. also who they so, were talking with. So it was really easy for them to just say, yeah, you're not making fun of it. Other yes. other shows have been using it as a basis, but they wanted to actually play the game on right. on the episode. So they couldn't do that without just saying, yeah, we'd, we'd love to show our actual game materials we love to use the name and, and do it justice so that's great that they could yeah just make that phone call and and part part of chang's character was that the fact that he was actually dressing up as his character yep. they're like that's larping that is not dnd this right. is not what this game does like so there there was all these little tiny things that like this isn't dnd and that was more of what the the lawyers were bringing into it like they they didn't want like, if you're going to show it, you have to show it in a positive light, and you can't show LARPing when you're talking about Dungeons & Dragons. But once the, the two actual creatives got together and started talking about it, yeah. there was obviously a giant amount of respect there. Yes. And they got permission from Wizards of the Coasts to do a Dungeons & Dragons and be able to call it Dungeons & Dragons, which was a big thing, instead of, like, barbarians and swords or whatever. Sorcerers and yeah. magic. Yeah. Okay, so we open on the study room, and the first joke we get is the one that 
probably is why it was pulled from Netflix. Everybody is just super Neil positive. I talked about like the first shot we get after the open is <laughs> is Donald Glover just creepily smiling at Neil, yeah, giant smiling at Neil, and they're just all being like, "Yeah, way to go, Neil! Dungeons and Dragons, yay!" You're the best, yeah. Abed is clearly dungeon master, clearly the dungeon master because he's a computer. <laughs> and he created characters for everybody except for Neil, who brought his own. He puts the characters on the table and he said, take your time, read through them. Which nobody does. Everybody just grabs one at random. They clearly don't get it. Abed tells people to, I guess it just kind of starts. And Jeff tries to start with introductions and he flails pretty horribly. And I, I wanted to point out that like Shirley kind of took the reins from Jeff and does a really good job of like starting the introductions. And everybody goes around the table and introduces themselves as their character. I think it's because Jeff is he, being Mr. Cool Guy. Like he has I, self-consciousness issues of like, I don't know how to play the game. And Shirley's like, whatever, we're introducing ourselves. I think he's just so far. I don't think he's trying to be Mr. Cool Guy. Like uh-huh. he, he was the driving force getting this started. I think he's just so far removed from what the game actually is. And if you don't know, if you try to just like blatantly explain to somebody, this game is played in your head and you have to imagine everything that's happening. He's clearly not the yeah, imaginative, he, imaginative type. For sure. he's His real life is a little bit fantasy, so like, <laughs> he's already the really good looking guy. So he kind of failed pretty miserably. Yeah. And we'll see it again later. After the introductions happen... Goblins attack. And Britta just proves why we call Britta the worst <laughs> right away. She uh, she wants to understand the motivation of the goblins. Missing the point. But I do think it's funny that in our... So we played a, a game for, <laughs> for a long time. And there were a lot of times when people in our group wanted to like understand like should we fight because the the thing that happens in Dungeons and Dragons a lot is a character is introduced good or evil but then you just like you shouldn't just immediately pull out your fake sword and start yeah, fighting it's, like, it's not all about fighting like everyone. sometimes you want to find out if somebody's going to give you some a piece of information or help you out on a quest yeah but some, some people are it's, it's allies easy. and give you things it's very easy then to take what is a monster and be like, are we on their turf? Are we encroaching on them? And should we find out if they have something to give us information-wise? But Britta just does it horribly, and instead she gets shot with an arrow. (laughs) I I will say I want to compliment Abed on on his DMing skills. So as a dungeon master, you basically write the story if they don't have it already mapped out for you. And so if you're crew takes it in a direction that you don't have plans for like Britta could have derailed that whole thing but instead right. he's just like nope you get shot we're not this isn't a friendly people right they're here to hurt you right so that, you do have to remember that when you find a monster in Dungeons and Dragons generally it's a monster you have to fight yeah. them um so there's a little bit of goblin attack that's happening and then Neil, as Duquesne, his character, 
pulls out his sword of Duquesne and kind of dominates the whole interaction. Crushes uh, it. Yeah, crushes it. The, the group is so overly... Oh, yeah. Like, complimentary and like, oh, what would we do? Yeah. It, Jeff actually tells Bridget to dial it back a little yeah. bit at this point. She was really laying it on too thick. Which they have they're, been since the beginning. Trying. Yeah. Uh, but this is where Pierce shows up. We've already seen him kind of lurking in the background. Yeah. But he just immediately is horrible. throughout the entire episode and he gets worse and worse and he's such the uh antagonist i I mean to just such a high degree in this episode he's like almost not redeemable no his pierce demands that he's put in the game his character who's basically just himself but naked and dying in a field Finds a way to uh, steal some equipment and then kills Chang's character. Ugh. And we get this beautiful music <laughs> and the slow motion Chang walking out. Ah, this, the music and the sound is so good in this episode. And then even after this, like he continues to be... Even after he's done something that nobody wanted and nobody was into... He continues to just be horrible to Neil specifically, who the whole point of this is they're trying to make Neil feel included and help Neil, and he he just says horrible things to him. I think that sometimes Pierce is fueled by other, like at least a couple people. Like in the last episode, the kids were he was playing to the the kids in the audience right. and getting fueled by that. Normally his being a dick is fueled by somebody supporting it or and at least entertaining someone. This one, like, nobody is on his side. Nobody is even mildly entertained by what he's doing. Right. And he still and so, just, like, does it harder. So that leads nicely into the next scene where Jeff physically pulls Pierce into the hallway with Abed and confronts Pierce about being so awful. And we find out it's because Pierce likes or hates being excluded from situations and he felt excluded which they did but kind of for a noble reason because he's proving why he's proving why he was being excluded he just wouldn't get it jeff threatens to straight up kick him out of the study group which he says basically fine at this point and he goes off into another area because he's actively working against the group which is always funny when you're sitting around a table with people playing Dungeons and Dragons and if like one person or two people split off, you're not supposed to like know what's happening. Yeah, we've actually had that where like the 
The DM has to take somebody else's side. Yeah. Like, All right, you left, so I have to go tell you this other thing over here for. A or minute. like you have the special ability, so you notice something that everybody else didn't. So I have to tell you in another room. So Pierce goes off. Uh, Jeff comes in with a new mission, and his only mission is to kill Pierce and get back the Sword of Duquesne, which Pierce stole from Neil's character. Neil is very upset, and just, he, he kind of says he wants to leave at this point. But Jeff is like, no, I wish you wouldn't do that. This is why our whole goal in life is to find him, catch up with him, and get your sword back. Neil suggests that they get Pegasus to catch up with Pierce. <laughs> Jeff doesn't totally know if he's kidding or not because it sounds ridiculous. Which is really fun because... Joel McHale in the commentary did say like he's like I I was reading through this these lines in the script and I couldn't even wrap my brain around like I I didn't understand and everybody's like yeah and you played it off perfectly yeah. like, like it's you you played it as you understood it in real life and it it works great so the group ends up uh, walking and finding a goblin inn and. Britta immediately starts talking to a gnome, and we so Danny Pudi has to jump into a number of different characters. So fun! And I think this is his first one where he's playing a gnome, and it's it's so good. Yeah. Um, him talking gnomish to Britta, and Britta is again just being super ridiculous. She's and, really buying into the whole thing. Yeah, and she's she's really and the, playing the into... social injustice of gnomes. <laughs> We cut to a scene where Pierce is getting Dungeons and Dragons books from Garrett and he's getting some more information, which is one of the trivia things because characters are not supposed to get, the only information that characters are supposed to get is from the Dungeon Master, so he shouldn't oh. be doing his own research, that shouldn't happen. You're not supposed to have the guidebook on you? Absolutely oh. not. Hmm. But... To make the story work, that's what they did. So I don't. There's always gonna be cheaters. Yeah, I don't fault that. The, it's it's a little bit of sitcom logic. It's fine. They do find a field with pegasi in it and a elven pegasi watcher, and Jeff tries to flirt with her, and oh, it doesn't man. go good. Turns out Jeff's not good at. Well, he being does like okay, league. but then. He can't, once Abed starts being the female yeah. in the situation, Jeff can't No do imagination. It. Right. So Annie, who's Thank playing... Thank God for Annie. Annie, who's playing Hector the Well-Endowed, <laughs> there's a really nice music montage over what she is doing to seduce and then blatantly have sex with the elven Pegasi Wrangler. If there were words to this yeah. part, this would have been my favorite quote. Yeah. Unfortunately, all we got was beautiful music and a lot of lip reading. And my favorite, well, I Any mean, her hand. her hand signals were pretty right. specific. But the, my favorite part was the, this is the, like the only lip reading I could like actually read her say. It was like, she says, I take out my huge member. And this whole thing was absolutely hilarious. Because she's so just like sincere and like, and then we would do this. And oh, also Troy's taking notes. <laughs> Troy, yeah, Troy's <laughs> taking notes. 
So this is where Pierce comes back into the group with Abed. And they find a body face down in a meadow. So they land their pegasi. And they think it's Pierce's body. Britta is really broken up. Once she finds out that it's not Pierce, it's the goblin from the inn. Uh, Neil did get his sword back, though, luckily. Uh, We go to a little flashback where Pierce has actually built him in a different room. Pierce has built himself this ridiculous throne. And because he has done research on this area and in this this campaign about Draconis, he knows all about it. And he, what he did was he stole an amulet, amulet and the amulet uh, gives him a bunch of powers over a dragon. Because he has all these powers, he just uses it to lord it over everybody in the group. He freezes time. He starts doing just doing and saying horrible things. Do we have to play Pierce's and be a clip? I don't think so, but everybody understands. Maybe a clip. But after he's being the worst, this is also where he reveals that Jeff is actually the one who coined or originally said Fat Neil. Jeff immediately apologizes, feels really bad, and I guess we wonder if the motivation of Jeff setting up this whole thing was because he he's the one who did that, or... I At, at the very beginning of the episode, I actually did write out in my notes, because I haven't seen this one for quite a few years, so I, I just wrote down like, wow, is Jeff really doing something just for the yeah. good of it? And so that's where it... it I think he true It... It isn't actually bringing him anything right. like, so tangible. It, it really he, plays into his motivation. He and, feels really bad that yeah. he did that and it caught on. So At this point, Pierce gets very smug. And he thinks that he won. And he feels like he like taught everybody a lesson. Yeah. And instead of teaching everybody a lesson... Well, he did kind of teach everybody a lesson. Everybody expresses how much they pity Pierce. And Pierce's shitty reactions to things. And then this is where Pierce inadvertently unfreezes time and gives up his turn in Dungeons and Dragons. And Neil has to make an epic roll and he throws his sword and he ends up uh, basically winning the day. Gets a 19. He breaks the spell. Pierce's character gets eaten. Everybody's happy. Excelsior. Um, <laughs> at the very last scene, everybody's happy and leaving. Neil is shows that he's just a bigger person. And he invites Pierce to play with him again next week because this was the most epic D&D game he's ever had. The final scene that we get is Troy and Abed walking into the study room and they're having the... Conversation about what's better, giant ears or having a tail. And it's a pretty funny debate. Instead of it being the study group, it's a bunch of older Asian women. And they actually end up weighing in and having, (laughs) you know, their own thoughts on it. We don't need the study group for this. Pretty funny little closer. So the episode ends. Did we have a deep dive? Just a little tiny one. So for anybody who is not familiar with the game D&D, because we realize just because we play it doesn't mean 
everybody out there knows what it is. Um, these guys actually did a really good job of kind of following the actual play-by-play -play of the game. So um, it was, the game was originally invented in about 1974. It is a fantasy tabletop role-playing game, which basically means so there isn't really a and kind of Troy addresses this at the beginning. There's no board game part of it. Um, some people do have little miniature characters of their of their character. Um, there sometimes in battles you can put out little grids just so you know how like if you have certain speeds you can run distances and stuff like that. So there there are certain times you can have board like options. But um, Abed had some maps in there that were pretty accurate. So there's a lot of maps and other things that the the dungeon master or the DM. And we'll kind of either drop ahead of time or there are plenty of them mapped out in some books. Like there's that giant, giant box of books that Dan Harmon brought to the game. Um, but the, so the fun part about this is I think what I didn't understand before I started playing was the whole dice rolling and where that all comes in. Um, so the, the way that the gameplay works, you say what you want to do. And then, so everybody's got their little character sheets. Their character sheets tell you who you are, what your race is, and different races either speak different languages or have different powers, or they have different strengths of... Attributes. Attri yeah, so there's attributes. Um, there's things that are more fighting-oriented. There are things that are more, like, intelligence and, um, like, magic spell-oriented. And so every time you want to do an action you or the dungeon master depending on how you're playing has to roll the dice to see or die to see whether or not you can actually do that action so depending on your character's ability levels uh, like so for when when neo wanted to throw the sword and hit the amulet on pierce he's like oh you need to do it like you need 18 or better so there's a there's a die that has 20 different sides on it and there's some things that are like you have to either get a close to perfect or like almost a highest score of the rolling of this this die to actually accomplish this task or to successfully do whatever you say you want to do um that's where kind of the, the game and the fun and the chance of it all comes in so the creativity is that uh, each character has to kind of come up with their own narration they make their own choices but you can only successfully do them if your, your character abilities allow, and then if you or your DM, roll the dice and, and the dice roll in your favor. So that was one of the things that I, I, don't, I don't think I understood the first time around. But um, so yeah, so they, they were very true to the game. That was really fun. So that I would just shout that out there for anybody who doesn't know, because it's, it's a super fun game. It's a nice way to get away from the real world. Um, Wizard and the Bruiser have a full episode on kind of the history and some of the social things about D&D, and if you go check them out on, I think, Spotify, and um, they do a full episode on the rundown of it, and also including their their Satan connection back in the day when the whole world wanted to blame them for everything, but yeah, yeah it's a really interesting story, and it's actually a really fun game. I like, I like There's it. also a podcast that just, they play D&D on the podcast. Yeah, Ashley, what's your favorite quote? It's your favorite quote. What'd you think about that? It's, it's your favorite, favorite quote. So I have a couple that were pretty quick, but semi-related. Uh, I take my throwing knife and throw it. Knife stuff. I do 10 points of damage. Look at that. What am I not good at? Sex. And then... Anybody here speak no? Oh, I do. 
Veronica does. Well, this will be famous. So this is a really nice little, just some back-to-back sweet burns of Jeff and Britta. Um, Burning each other. Just, yeah. The, I think the only, the only sweet burn Jeff could ever get of what am I not good at? And Britta kind of nails it. And actually knows from experience, which I, don't, I think she's just being mean. Maybe, I don't know. He gets her back pretty quickly and... I like, I like the dynamic of those two. Now that she's out of the way as the potential love interest, it's uh, they, they have a lot of fun. I like it. Jared, what's yours? <laughs> this one's mine. I'd like to introduce myself to the group. Hello, I am a dwarf named Zippity-Doo. Okay, I'm not the best at making up names. Oh, hey, I'm Mar... Well, you're kidding. Hello, Mar... My name is Bing Bong, the archer. I'm an archer and such. I'm... Ew, Hector the well-endowed? I'll bet. I didn't know you just grabbed one at random. I made that one with Troy in mind. Yeah, I bet you did. Okay, hi! I'm Lavernica. I have three armors. Boots. Belt. A torch. Wait, let her finish. Worst introduction ever. Check it. I am Rutelitas, the magician. <laughs> Magic user, baby. What? I, I think it's funny that some of the people you think would be good at it, like Jeff, who can, you know, talk about anything forever at any given time, sucked. And Shirley just immediately gravitates to it and does a good job. And yeah, I think it was just a funny little introduction to all the characters. Yeah, they all, I think everybody latched on really, really well. It started and, out a little fake. But... And Abed's really bad at names. All right. Ashley, did you have any questions? Yes. Jared, can you tell me about Harmon Quest? On Harmon Town, Dan Harmon's podcast, uh, in one of the first episodes that they did, and really like within the first couple episodes, they decided that they wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons at the end of the episode. And so they just called for, he's like, is anybody in the audience a good dungeon master? And this guy raises his hand and he brought his own dice. And he he said it was, like, weirdly kind of ordained somehow. He knew he was going to play Dungeons & Dragons with Dan Harmon because he knew he was a nerd. So from then on, he was the... Official Harmontown Dungeon Master. His name is Spencer Crittenton. <laughs> if you ever have seen the documentary Harmontown, he is really the hero of that documentary. What they did is a spin-off video podcast, basically. It was I don't even know what where it is streaming right now, but um, they do basically episodes where Spencer sets up quests for these characters and they have Jeff Davis, Dan Harmon, Dan's ex-wife, Aaron McGaffey. They're all like the base characters that recur every episode and then they have a different celebrity sometimes. They are community cast members. Sometimes they are just other famous people. And they have this like ongoing quest that they do. Uh, Spencer's just kind of amazing when it comes down to like he recaps previous episodes, and then he he has just these 
epic ways of describing things, and it's really funny. They'll have other comedians on, uh, and it's it's really funny. Check it out, find it. It's it's a super good watch. So does everybody who plays on that? Do they usually know what D and D is, or is it? Some people yeah. really don't, and because they bring in like a new famous person each episode, they have to give them like one off parts, which really doesn't fit in with questing in Dungeons and Dragons. It's kind of like jammed into like make it really funny and humorous and the the mechanics of it aren't super traditional. Yeah, obviously it would be really stupid if Spencer's like killing off the main characters. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It's really fun and then they do like video renditions of what's happening. Oh fun. Yeah. It's, oh, that's really it's, cool. It's really cool. Cool. Do you have any questions, Jared? Yeah, I do. Would you rather have giant ears or a tail? I don't know. I think we actually were just talking about this the other day. It's funny. We this were. Was, this was the... Not uh, even the other day. It was like, last night we were talking about this. Yeah. And just to set it up, so it's me and two dogs like sitting on the bed and Jared walks near the room and both of the dogs' tails are just flapping uncontrollably and... I was kind of, I was like, oh, Jared's coming. Like, I think we were all the dogs' tails were were also mimicking my excitement that you're just walking so you near us. You don't have a. So answer? that means that, and I was just like, man, like, wouldn't it be nice if all, if humans just had a tail that Some just do. you could always just know exactly what the mood is? But then that made me think, I don't think I would want that because. It would be too telling. It would be oh, sure. sometimes you want to hide your emotions. So if I don't want my tail between my legs or I don't want to show my excitement, I think sure. I might go huge ears just to hear better because yeah. I'm not that good at hearing. <laughs> you are not that good and at I, hearing. And I'm not that good at acting. So I don't think it, a tail would help me in my poker face. You have any final thoughts? Um, I feel like I'm always just talking about Ludwig Bernson. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I did mention that we loved the music and the sound in this episode. There's even... He had a full live symphony for this whole... Like, it's an epic soundtrack. Why wouldn't you? He killed it. Check out what he does. It's so good. the, The music breaks in this episode are great. Even the opening credit... Not only did they change all the different uh, icons associated with people's names, but they changed the music and made the community theme Dungeons and Dragons. And he did such a good job. Yeah, he's awesome. And and Dan Harmon kind of said in the commentary, he doesn't know if there's another sitcom out there that the music is so important to the show itself, which I know I, I talk about it and I... Sometimes even obsess over it a little bit. Like it's so well done. Yep. And it, but it's awesome. So I'm glad that he he knows that. And I'm glad you brought it up for a final thought because he definitely deserves extra credit. Ludwig Göransson. So part of it is, um, so Game of Thrones, um, they f- it first started in 2011. So we're just barely into 2011 at this point. And I don't know if the commentary was maybe done. After the release? Uh, yeah, they do it at the end of the season. So. so it was right when that was getting really, right. really mainstream. And so I think this 
this could have just only only been just brownie points for them to right. to do this kind of style episode and get that really really epic theme song. So that's they they did mention there's a little little bit of a, an air of that kind of feeling to the you know the just the play by play and the and the music. Yep. Um. So Dan Harmon said that the kind of the concept of this episode was a little bit similar to the Saving Private Ryan that the oh, like the titular character wasn't necessarily the main character sure um that it was the driving force of all the other characters in in this episode like like in the movie it says everybody running around trying to find Private Ryan um but he actually has a very small part and is pretty minimal in the the movie itself so which n- not to be said that the we don't the, even see matt damon until the third act of the second by ryan whereas so we've only actually seen him in character in person in a few episodes like the, he was mentioned in a, a few episodes prior to that but so they were kind of like rolling the dice <laughs> um kind of rolling the dice just saying this actor could make or break this episode so he he did so well he killed on the you know just being a real dude and he genuinely did great acting on being sad and then just the straight up pity and then he so they weren't you know they didn't have a lot of contact with him so it was cool that he he really killed it and made this episode one of the most epic yeah that was my my kind of big highlights of it I'd just like to start off, you know, the ending by saying, if you enjoy the episode, if you enjoy our podcast, please just go and rate, review, and subscribe on whatever your preferred platform is. Uh, we It really helps out our podcast. Uh, we really like getting feedback. So, yeah. And here's how you can do it. There are so many ways to reach us. You can follow us on all these things or send us messages and emails through these things. Uh, Straight up email, you can go to dicpod at gmail.com. Shoot us some questions. Um, We ask each other questions at the end of the episode. We love to have listener questions as well. And we got some stickers and maybe some other fun stuff in the future to send out to you if you would like to send some questions in for us. You can find us on Twitter at DIC Podcast. Um, Instagram, I'm trying to be more active on there. We are drinking in community. Um, Try to get lots of pictures of our beverages or other fun things around the episode. You can always just go straight to our website, which is DICpodcast.com. It gives you links to all of our social media things or you can instead of emailing us you can just send us a message straight on through the little uh, message thing on our website and also a facebook page facebook.com slash drinking community or we've got a little bit of a reddit thread at r backslash drinking community but also just support all the other cool community things we got going on right now so my communitites Communarians? Commune creepers? <laughs> Human, Human beings. beings. Thanks so much, everybody. Catch you next time. Hey guys, we have fun and a vibe during our recording sessions, but addiction is a problem that many face on a day to day basis. Please take time to have a real conversation with yourself about your substance use. We've both lost friends and loved ones to addiction 
and don't want you on the list. Take care of yourself and your community.